Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Well, so my recommendation is that anyone attempting to leave the mountain should be shot on sight. Hello, good morning, from my perspective and indeed Mike's, and welcome to Gatecast episode 151, season 7, episode 20, Inauguration. Good morning, everybody. Yes, we're getting one last recording in before Alan jets off to the US for his visit with his friends and his trip to DragonCon. Richard Dean Anderson, Jewel Stage, Jason Momoa. Should be a good time. Should be a rush from panel to panel time. <laughs> now I don't have much schedule for Monday, so I need to sit down and fill my Monday up. I'm sure there's something going on on the Monday. I've discovered the reason they went to five hotels. Last year, when there were in excess of 40,000 people in one of the hotels, the fire officer came along and shut them down. Oh, that's not what you want in the middle of a convention. No, and I've never been to one this size. I've no idea what to expect. I'm going to a convention where the number of people at a given panel will probably be greater than the largest number of people I've seen at a convention. That's quite possible, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was complaining about the last Discord one because there were 900 people at it and I thought it were too big. Yeah. <laughs> now I'd be like, oh, look, there's only 1,200 people in the room. Yeah. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. We've got a little news update about the podcast, so listen up and share our relief at finally getting this all behind us. At the time of recording, the Gatecast website has finished its migration to its new host and borrowing mishaps has been behaving itself. The website has only been partially active for the last few days, but from now on should be as bulletproof as a hosting service can provide. It's been an interesting couple of months since GoDaddy kind of shafted us, although much has been down to our own issues in solving the problem quickly. But again, touch wood, everything is now working fine. While the website has remained at gatecast.co.uk, the RSS feed has changed once again, but this time we are now listed on iTunes, so at the very least it's going to be much easier for many of you to find us again via whatever podcatcher you choose to use, or even streaming directly from the website. The new RSS feed is gatecast.co.uk slash wordpress slash feed slash podcast. There are links on the website. While it isn't my first choice, we will be alternating on a weekly basis between Season 8 of SG-1 and Season 1 of Atlantis. This may continue for Season 9 and 2 respectively, if it goes a lot smoother than I expect, or maybe a popular uprising by our listeners demanding one show at a time. Time will tell. Now back to the show. Okay, now this is getting bizarrely ironic. What's that? As I said, that phrase, the sound came back. Spooky. The ghost in the machine. Well, I am hooked into the machine via microphone, so it can hear me. Yeah, but do you have to rely on subtitles for watching the show? I rely on subtitles anyway. I like to have the sound in the background, but I rely on subtitles because you talk over dialogue sometimes and I miss it. So subtitles are useful. It helps keep grounded. Okay. Oh, well. It was a brief flirtation with audio. <laughs> Never mind. But when I had played, the line went away. Pulp Audio Weekly at weekly.pulpaudio.com, where you can hear about TV and movies. War of the Worlds. Doctor Who. Monsters vs. Aliens. Push. Video games. Mass Effect. Rock Band. Just Cause. World of Goo. Nexius. And a whole slew of geeky topics. Apple. Microsoft. Linux. The Sun. The Moon. Solar Sails. And Peeves. Twitter. Hulu. Google. Hubble. Obama. NASA. Jupiter. The Space Shuttle. And the FCC. All this and more every week at weekly.palpaudio.com. Right, line is viewed, Twitter visible, and no one has actually up to us. Well, Saturday morning is always a bit dead on Twitter. We've got our Australian fans getting close to going to bed. The Americans are still fast asleep. Actually, not really getting close to going to bed. Tasmania, which is as far behind as it gets, it's only a half eight and even. Do we have many friends on the East Coast of Australia? I'm generalising here, and you're trying to bring specifics in. Half the world is still asleep, the rest of them is, <laughs> are thinking about getting to sleep. Interesting. I'm looking at the little, you know the four-screen preview on the DVD? Yeah. And at one point, screen one and screen three, it is the Washington Monument, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They actually both show identical views. 
Well, whoever created the menus got lazy. They previewed different scenes. As I found out when I listened to commentary, you do actually get quite a bit of info, especially of one of the second unit or uh, technical people is on. Oh, yeah. That's one of the reasons I love commentary. It adds so much to an episode. Of course, a lot of people don't really care. Oh, that was shot on second unit on a Friday afternoon when they were pressed for time. Inauguration is a hard word to spell. What is Mesa Buckley on about? Probably if you scroll back through the timeline, you'll find where the conversation began. What was the name of the Scottish guy who played the Doctor in SGA? Paul McGillian. Was he actually Scottish? Canadian. I think there's a Scottish ancestry. Even actual Scottish people don't use their accents. David Tennant being my case in point. That's why he used to enjoy the confidentials. He actually used his own accent. When he goes back home, like he kind of automatically, the accent comes back. That is really weird. What? I was just about to say we should start now and the sound promptly cut off. Well, of course it does. It's been playing in my ear for the past 20 minutes. And when I decide, right, it's time to record, the sound goes, oh, quick, he's going to record, stop, stop. I think it's actually to do with Skype, because I started the disc before I started Skype, and the sound ran fine for quite a while. Oh, yes. The Mayo Cat Rescue is closed until October. October when? This October. Yeah, October the 1st, October the 31st, what? They didn't say. Oh, just October. Gotta love Ireland, don't you? It just says October. (laughs) We'll be open when we're open. Don't worry about it. I tweeted about Amanda tapping to uh, Naomi, who's my mad supernatural fan friend. Yeah. You might have noticed I've added Twitter to my uh, tweet deck feed on the phone. Have you? I added Gatecast, rather, to my Twitter feed. Yeah. That way I can actually reply to, if we get ads and I notice them. Yeah. I can reply in a timely fashion if you're not available, because I had the phone with me. And I assume if you're working it, you can't exactly pull out the iPad and start replying to Twitter. Well, the only time I'm on is tea break and dinner break. I think I watched approximately uh, 30 hours of TV since Thursday. <laughs> not bad. Well, no, that was up to Sunday evening, Monday morning. Then my friend arrived and I was doing other things. Oh, Amanda's playing an angel. Yeah. Well, of course, what else would you play? I mean, it's Amanda. <laughs> yeah, it would be a good angel or a bad angel. Oh, my Smallville season 10 arrived, although it's simply called Smallville, the final season. Yeah. On Blu-ray. And my, I'm barely into season 8 on that. Amazon.co.uk emailed me, told me they've dispatched my six-disc Marvel Avengers box set. Oh, you've gone for the well, beginning, have you? I own one or two on DVD, but I don't own any on Blu-ray, so Jimmy. <laughs> it's got Iron Man and Iron Man 2, and Hulk, and Avengers, and Captain America, and Thor. Probably could have guessed the content. <laughs> well, both Iron Man. Ah, Kinsey. The man you love to hate. We can discuss him with him. Right, finger poised over the space bar with Jewel Thirsty. Yep, ready to go. Ibra three, Ibra do, Ibra hen. Clicky. Fade out, fade in on a view of Washington, which I assume is not a matte painting, it's probably stock footage. Probably is. I don't think Stargate budget actually went to renting a helicopter to film that. And there we have Jerry Wasserman. Also, the president of Togo was deposed about six hours ago. He managed to get a plane to Nigeria, now he's calling for American troops to help restore order. In the recent MacGyver episode we watched, playing the chief of staff. Hmm, I thought you were. Yeah, and the guy playing the Bush analog? Uh, no, very definitely not the Bush analog. Really? Considering he played JFK in a TV movie 20 odd years ago. Oh. Stan, who are these people following? They work for you, Mr. President. It's just from the dialogue, I thought he was a Bush analog. You got that from two sentences. I read the first chunk of transcript. There we can see the bust of JFK. Oh, look at that grin. Yes, uh, that's me. Shouldn't I know who they are? Yes, Mr. President. Emergency management teams are standing by, but we've scheduled a call to the governor for 10 o'clock so you can pledge our support. They're not going to follow me around all the time, are they? No, Mr. President. Good. <laughs> Hello. Holly? The chairman of the Joint Chiefs is waiting for you in your office. Presidential aide? Oh, that's odd. The actress's name is Holly. Nerves on the first day. I imagine the presidents are exponentially bigger. He knows it's my first day, right? Yes, Mr. President. Good. They were a little worried about walking all over the uh, presidential seal, then realised that, hey, we're Canadians, not Americans. And the actual presidential seal. I'm assuming this is a studio. Built in an old car dealership. That's actually quite impressive. Let me enjoy the moment. He's watched Die Hard, hasn't he? Yep. (laughs) The good carpet. (laughs) This is above top secret briefing. Yeah. The moment's over, sir. <laughs> you should have come out with it. I know all about Area 51. You'll only have little info bits on Chief of Staff. I will do, but this is a clip show. We're going to have plenty of time to talk about all the stuff. 
Okay. I want to get everything done in the first five minutes. I mean, I forgot to mention that opening scene where they were walking through the corridor. The corridor was 30 feet long, and the plan was to do all the double backs that Stargate is famous for to make it appear huge. Mm-hmm. But instead, the actor, William Devane, decided to pause in front of each bust of the president and do his dialogue in front of them. Saved him a lot of time and a lot of money, a lot of effort, all from an experienced actor. <laughs> That's funny. That's very funny. My first day. This is a joke, right? I have a great sense of humor. I didn't know that you had one, but this is good because we're finding out about each other. Yes, he does look experienced. Those lines could hide small trees. It's all makeup. He's only 18. <laughs> Apparently, the rest of the world is coming to an end. The ex-president of Togo will have to wait, sir. This is not a joke. The United States Air Force has been sending people to other planets. Yes, sir. For the last seven years. That's correct. By means of an alien device. Known as the Stargate. All right, credits. Inauguration, season seven, episode 20, the Gatecast episode 151. Story written by Paul Mully and Joseph Malozzi. Directed by Peter West, who also doubled up as the DP for this episode. He did not say if he got a double paycheck. Uh, Knowing how Stargate operates, he probably didn't. <laughs> At its world premiere in the UK on February the 24th, aired in the US March the 5th, Australia got it October the 7th, Canadian, Canadian, <laughs> Canada January the 20th, 2005. Only a couple of shows use this title for an episode Barney Miller. And, of course, The West Wing. There's a shock. It isn't, it? The West Wing. The only universe in which John Candy could actually be present in the US, however briefly. Uh, John Goodman, wasn't it? Sorry, I got those two mixed up. No offence, but he's dead. Was he dead at the time, though? Probably. Oh, look who's vice president. Uh, yes. Our friend, the senator. He's trying to duck me. Doesn't want to commit on the crime bill. What should I tell him? Forget it. The son of a bitch came in on our coattails. Now it's time to pay the piper. So congratulating Jack for getting him the presidency didn't quite work out. Mm-hmm. Mr. President, why didn't you tell me? Now, I wonder if those busts in the window are the same ones that were used in the corridor. Yeah, no TV. They've just put a pair of glasses and a fake moustache on them. <laughs> I take it you've just been briefed by the chairman of the Joint Chiefs on our new reality. Not only do I find out that the Air Force is engaged in interstellar travel... But I also find out that my running mate knows all about it. I was under a special executive gag order. Since when? A little over six years now. That's unbelievable. He's a little upset. And I'm assuming Kinsey actually decided he's better off being vice president so he has someone to throw to the wolves and get an apparently dumb president that he can manipulate. Well, I think the actual... I'm not sure. Is he... I assume he's a Republican. He feels like a Republican. Oh, yeah. Although President Hayes has the air of a Democrat about him. Either way, I imagine the actual political party decided who they wanted president and the poll numbers favoured him, whereas Kinsey got on the ticket because he has friends and he has money. I have several recommendations regarding... Whoa, Bob, hold on here. As we know, his contacts and affiliations within the NID are as strong as ever, Mm -hmm. and they are very wealthy. This was a deliberate attempt by the military and the previous administration to drive a wedge between us because they knew... I was going to come after them. <laughs> we need to stick together on this. For God's sakes, Bob, think of the magnitude of this. For God's sake, is right. Oh, come on, Bob. If you want me to buy into your holier-than-thou position, you got to convince me you're right. I already like this president. <laughs> He's not interested in rhetoric. He's not as dumb as he appears. No, he wants facts. That's a nice shot. I wonder how much they paid for this stock footage, because it probably wasn't cheap. You don't think so? Oh, no. You have to pay for every bit of stock footage, and considering how difficult it probably is to get new footage of the White House. you got to appreciate the president's perspective. Having this dumped in his lap suddenly, you'd be like, what? Especially after his first briefings tells him of all the top-secret projects. Mm-hmm. He thinks, well, that's out of the way. No more surprises. <laughs> General Maynard is the commander of the Joint Chiefs. Looks rather young, but he looks impressive. I'll give him that. Played by James McDaniel, American actor. His series, Detroit 187, 
He was in NYPD Blue for 149 episodes, also in Cop Rock. Oh, dear. So his career did move on. It didn't kill everybody's career. Mm. And no matter what anyone says, the people at the SCC have done the best job anyone could under the circumstances. You don't trust the vice president. He obviously has his own agenda. I know he tried to shut him down when he was at appropriations. Well, frankly, I think the vice president knows as well as anyone else it's too late for that. If he didn't six years ago, he certainly does now. What does that mean? He clearly doesn't want to shut the gate down anymore. He wants to control it. Oh, flashback, flashback. We have a civilian agency known as the NID. Now, its mandate has been to keep an eye on top-secret projects like the Stargate program and has done so from the beginning. This was from Disclosure, Season 6, Episode 17, mm-hmm. when they brought the foreign ambassadors in. Uh, Thor, buddy. That's him, yep. <laughs> There's only one reason he wanted them to give control to the NID. Because he was about to become chairman of the Intelligence Oversight Committee. Which would have put the NID and the Stargate in his back pocket. Ah, there we go. He's putting the bits together himself. And that's something that a lot of people didn't catch on to at the time. Mm-hmm. As a clip show, this actually works quite well. It's a nice sort of, I mean, the show is basically a briefing. Hello? Hello. I am Thor, Supreme Commander of the Asgard Fleet. Commander Thor. My name is Senator Kinsey. Yes. <laughs> Somebody give him the finger. Quickly. Finger. Start. But I am reasonably certain his statement was in jest. I'm sure it was, Commander. Supreme Commander. Reasonably certain. It never gets old. Never gets old. <laughs> that Stargate Command should be left in the very capable hands of General Hammond and his team. And while our continued friendship with Earth is not contingent on that, it is preferred. Even this acting from Thor, you know, when his eyes close a bit. Yeah. Very threatening. Turn. Oh, you're being smacked down, bitch. Besides his belief in his divine right. I get the idea that President Hayes is not really a, a religious man either. Or at least not in private, in public. Of course, you've got to be religious to get elected president in America. Which he probably sponsors. That rogue element at NID that he took credit for taking down last year. We've never had any proof connecting Senator Kinsey to anything nefarious. I'm starting to get a bad feeling about where some of that campaign financing came from. Mr. President. Did I say that out loud? Yeah, I need proof. I think the emphasis there is on the word proof. <laughs> Uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, Mr. President, you did. <laughs> Another shot of the monument. Yeah, just to reinforce the fact that we're in Washington. And a shot at the top of Robert's head. Who's he? I can't imagine he was too keen on that shot. Hey, loud and proud, loud and proud. Mr. Woolsey. He was perfectly buff beforehand. I hope my confidence in you has not been misplaced. You have my word, sir. Once I finish presenting the evidence, the President will have no choice but to follow your recommendation and clean house at Stargate Command. Again, we get introduced to Woolsey and we think, we don't like him. We don't like him, but at the end of the episode... We do do like him. He's Robert Picardo. We can't not like him. I'm sorry to keep you waiting, Mr. President, but I was just wrapping up a meeting with the Joint Chiefs when I got your message. Francis, I thought you'd want to sit in on this one. Let's just emphasize the fact that I am the head of your military, okay? I'm not at your becking hole. General, I don't believe you know Richard Woolsey. He probably knows about him. He has been working with the NID, conducting a thorough investigation of all Stargate personnel. I've asked him here to kindly present us with his findings. If this is a discussion about the competence of those running the SGC, shouldn't George Hammond be included? Yes, he should. Ah, Kinsey, Kinsey, Kinsey. Horrible, slimy little man. George Hammond is a highly decorated officer a 30-year veteran with the United States Air Force. And while that may not carry a lot of weight over at the NID, it still means something to certain people in this town. This isn't a trial, General. Although it certainly wouldn't surprise me if it came to that. I say, he says a trial obviously means a court-martial because there's no way SGC personnel are going to get tried in open court. Basically means nothing to the NID. If he's obstacle in the path, they want him out. It was less than a month ago. General Hammond ordered an off-world rescue operation despite ample indication that he was sending his people into an ambush. You think Kenzie should be stroking a white cat? See that smug grin there? Yes. 
commander should be chastised for having personnel under his command killed in battle. Probably explains a lot about the military at the moment. We can't go to war, people will get killed. Don't hide the fact people are getting killed. They do in the States. They are currently. You can't show footage of coffins coming back yeah. from Afghanistan. Well, that's bad press. All that proves is the men had the guts to own up to his mistakes. Unfortunately, in this case, mistakes can lead to compromising the entire planet. I have uncovered a mountain of evidence implicating not only General Hammond, but his first-line team as well. Those people are heroes. We have no intention of minimizing the accomplishments of either the General or SG-1. Yes, you do. Yes, not up front, at least. This is what we say, this is what we mean. Intermittent successes cannot excuse ongoing misconduct. Intermittent successes. They've only saved the world six, what, seven times. Look what they did between times. What have they done for us lately? <laughs> You're still here to complain about it. You should be on my speech writing team. Come on, cut the crap, will you? <laughs> <laughs> Way to disarm him. We're sitting around here talking about people who are fighting aliens, right? He does have the yeah. feel of a kind of a country boy, doesn't he? You know, a, a straight talking. Yeah, and just because he appears to be a rube doesn't mean he actually is. Approximately five and a half years ago, the gate was shut down. The SGC was under orders to suspend all off world travel pending a full review. SG-1 chose to ignore those orders. I know they're big on chain of command in any military organisation, but mm -hmm. actions do speak louder than words. And it was, by no means, an isolated incident. Robert Picardo actually wanted real files so he could manhandle them, you know, give them some weight. This is from the episode Upgrades, of course, yep. season four, episode three. Faster than a speeding bullet. A lot of wire work was done that day. Sorry, I'm just reminded of that scene in Heroes. Yeah, it spins, does it? It's cool, steam comes out of it and everything. <laughs> oh, they're going to leave Tilt behind. O'Neill! Not this time, Tilt. Faster than a speeding uh, plasma bomb. <laughs> mm. That's like running into a, a US shipbuilding facility and destroying a new aircraft carrier. That's mm. significant. <laughs> sabotaged a mothership the Gould would have eventually used to attack Earth. They used the Stargate against the direct order of a superior officer. You can't hold them accountable for that. Read the damn mission report. They were under the influence of an alien device. Yes, of course. Which brings us to the alarming frequency with which members of SG-1 have fallen under alien influence. Yes. <laughs> More folders. <laughs> Heavy. Full folders. Implanted with a Gould symbiote. <laughs> Only once. Two years ago, her body became host to an alien virus. Ah, uh, the really bad episode. Entity. Season 4, episode 20. At this point, the first episode to be shot in HD. Daniel Jackson. Yeah, let's not go into what's happened to Daniel. <laughs> Had his body play host to not one, but 12 alien psyches simultaneously most interestingly of all, apparently died. <laughs> and according to the report, evolved into a higher being. <laughs> he almost says that as if he doesn't believe what he's reading. Uh, Meridian. Jacob's looking well there. Season 5, episode 21. It's a late channel. You get the feeling even he doesn't believe that one. <laughs> Teal'c. An alien former soldier of the Gould. Would it have been funny if the president says, no, you pronounce it Gawold? <laughs> I've been on the red phone with Hammond. He pronounces it Gawold. Well, he hasn't been in the red phone with Hammond yet. That's why I said, wouldn't it have been funny? The ranks of the system lord, Apophis. And the Miz, season five, episode one. I still like Apophis. I know Bal is all the flash and the style, yeah. but Apophis is pretty damn close. What you got going here, Tilk? Well done, Tilk. Oopsie. <laughs> Finally, you have resumed your rightful position as my first prime. He'd been brainwashed by the enemy. Yes. Like his fellow team members, he too has shown a vulnerability to alien influence. Which finally brings us to the team leader, Jack O'Neill. Ah, uh, Jack. <laughs> Infected by alien contagions a half dozen times. Experimented upon by extraterrestrials another half dozen times. Had his memories manipulated on numerous occasions. <laughs> it's one hell of a resume. 
had the entire repository of an ancient alien database effectively downloaded into his head. Uh, the classic fifth race. Shiny mm. lights. Oh, so young. Colonel. Not long after this incident, the Colonel began exhibiting strange behavior. Speaking an alien language, demonstrating superhuman intellect. As it turns out, he was undergoing some sort of transformation as a result of the knowledge he had absorbed. Yeah, thing? Yes. <laughs> How is this a bad thing? It's not really, is it? It wasn't long back, i.e. last week, where they were creating a gold hybrid to gain access to that sort of information. How can we trust these individuals to protect our planet after everything they've been through? Well, they seem to be handling it. The very fact that they've been through it, no matter who you put in that position, they're going to go through the same sort of thing. Indeed. If you keep rotating them out, they're not going to gain experience. We can no longer allow the Pentagon to look the other way. The number of times the members of SG-1 have been compromised... I suppose the argument could be made that SG-1 and some other personnel would be better off teaching new recruits, but they are so good at what they do. Yes. The first time I heard about this, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I tried to imagine myself doing what these people have been doing for the last seven years, and quite frankly, I don't think any of us can really understand what they've been going through. No matter how many files we read. All the more reason for intensive scrutiny. If new protocols and standards of conduct need to be established, this is where it has to start. You can't get Samantha to take any holidays. No. Although perhaps with a boyfriend now, she's more, she'd be more inclined to. Yeah, maybe she'd like to go fishing. Oh, that'd be a right, if she went fishing with Pete and not Jack. <laughs> Pete would probably end up having an accident. <laughs> this is laying the groundwork for the spin-off show, which is getting close. Yep, in mere three episodes of it. It all plays its part. You see the general, whatever his commanding officer says. Woolsey not too sure, the vice president. Mm. He's obviously decided this isn't going well enough. No, he expected him to fall in line pretty fast. All I'm saying is, at the moment, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I need to know more. I think you know all you need to know, and that includes why you're here. I am here, Bob, because the people of this nation elected me to run their country, not the whole damn galaxy. And this is my office, Bob, not yours. No matter what you may think you did to make this happen. And don't you ever, for one second, forget that. <laughs> yes, Mr. President. Ooh, the worm has turned. Yes. The commentary, which was done by Peter West and the producer, Michael Greenberg, actually, mm -hmm. when they were talking about Kinsey. Even at this point, they're still not sure if Kinsey is supposed to be this some sort of uber-patriot, yeah. a criminal lackey, or just kind of a delusional megalomaniac. Mm. Pick one of three. Either way, he is not in this for the benefit of the American people or the human race. And Bob's starting to think, maybe it's time I edge this guy out of the way. The scene was originally written to be very dynamic and aggressive from the president. He actually decided to do it quite the opposite way. I think it is more intimidating when your, your superior actually drops a few tones and tells you off calmly. It doesn't give you anything to you know, bounce back off of. Kinsey, like certain other people in my life at present, will twist any words that I use to suit their own agenda. I like that. The glasses have actually got real lenses and not just plain glass. Hey! Yay! <laughs> Sight unseen. Not the greatest episode ever done, but add some funny moments. And in this, Woolsey is totally right. Bringing this alien device into the SGC was a mistake. Yep. A cover story was created, and the civilian population was none the wiser. Well, I, for one, would like to know how many more times we're going to have to clean up after these people. It was a doozy of a cover story, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. And that entails necessary risks. And how would you define necessary? Exactly. Only a few months ago, General Hammond allowed the testing of an unproven computer virus that infected and shut down our entire gate network, leaving us open to a potential planetary assault. You can't hold Hammond responsible for that. It was a gold modification of the virus that caused the problem. In other words, General Hammond effectively gave the Gould a weapon to use against us. Well, the only way to prove it is to test it, isn't it? That's like testing a stealth fighter and having it land in North Korea and go, oops, <laughs> you didn't do it deliberately. Maybe not. 
but I would like to think that it includes common sense. And let's face it, if the gate system shut down, there's a lot of people who wanted that. Mm-hmm. An incident three years ago, when General Hammond allowed emotion to override established gate room protocol. I suppose that's when uh, Senator Kinsey was actually, you know, couldn't see any benefit in having the system for himself. Mm-hmm. Oh, heaven forbid, a commander actually twists things around to support his people. Mm. I had to look this episode up because I couldn't remember what it was from. Chain Reaction, Season 4, Episode 15. And I'll never understand why, when a team under fire comes through the gate, they don't immediately leap to the side or lie down. Because mm-hmm. the gate is still active. Weapons fire can still come through. Because leaping to the side would involve, if you think about it, a drop off and being hurt. That's what I mean. They should have a ball pit and automatically jump into. Tia could do it for fun. Probably would do it. Double somersault. Though. Now I have an image in my head of Tia jumping into the ball pit and popping his head and going, Bazinga! <laughs> which I know you don't watch Bank Theory, but I'm sure you know the reference. Some things are funny, even if you don't really get it. And no wonder. Not one, but two people that Dr. Jackson had close personal relationships with were taken as ghouled hosts. Tilk's family and associates among the ranks of the enemy Jaffa make him an easy target for ghouled retaliation and manipulation. And both Colonel O'Neill and Major Carter have demonstrated an alarming tendency to let interpersonal relationships cloud their decision-making process. They have a right to their feelings. Yes. They've been a team for six years. <laughs> Woolsey doesn't like that. Oh. Kind of inappropriate relationship here? Inappropriate, yes. That is exactly what he's suggesting. I mean, Woolsey's a, a facts and figures man. This is a speculation. I'm surprised Woolsey didn't know that Sam was dating. He seems like a resourceful individual. Mm-hmm. And he's actually stepping in there to kind of solidify the argument. He knows the president isn't going to react to emotion. There was an incident last year in which Colonel O'Neill went missing. Based on a report filed by one of the scientists on the mission in question, Major Carter's behavior was erratic at best. Major, this technology is unlike anything we've come across before. I know. We have no reference, no way to interface. I'm working on it, Doctor. As you should be. Right. Excuse me? Where's Colonel O'Neill? No, I don't see him, do you? Did you guys find him while I was gone? And this actually was a poor performance by Carter. She's obviously worried, she's obviously upset, but as the commanding officer for this detachment, she wasn't acting military. Oh, I believe there's a lot more to this than we've been told. Oh, dear. But, of course, I hardly expect them to incriminate themselves with their own reports. <laughs> but we can all read between the lines. Mm. That was a mistake. Uh. All right, I've heard enough. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Mr. Woolsey. Mr. President. Saying in public that he doesn't trust the reports. Mm. Woolsey's whole existence is based on written reports. If you don't believe the reports, you don't believe Woolsey. Mm. If you don't believe Woolsey, then you're just using him to make a point. Of course he is. Send him in. Kinsey's aide, Mika Dargel. Not a lot of acting work, but she's been in True Calling and the old word. Does Wolsey strike you as someone that ever drinks? Maybe the odd tipple to celebrate his birthday or the anniversary. Certainly not while he considered himself on duty. And they even asked themselves if Kinsey would be drinking inside the White House. They originally put some alcohol in the Oval Office. At the time, the Joint Chief of Staff, General Jumper, yes, General Jumper, mm-hmm. his aide said they didn't have alcohol in the Oval Office. The last president to have that was Roosevelt. But who would argue that Kinsey wouldn't have a bottle in his drawer? He'd have a drinks cabinet in the corner of the bloody room. <laughs> oh, Woolsey's not happy with this. The job you did was vital. The president has to appear to be hearing both sides, considering his position. But he'll see things my way eventually. And if he doesn't? <laughs> things happen. That is a very obvious threat against the President of the United States. And unfortunately, I'd be scared enough that I wouldn't want to repeat it. (laughs) Wolsey has integrity. One way or another, I promise you. I'm going to win this one. Back and forward to the Oval Office. I wonder where the Office of the Joint Chief of Staff is. If it's in the Pentagon or in the White House. I'd imagine it's in the Pentagon because, I mean, the Pentagon is a military building. I'm sure at some point during the West Wing that was showing. I take it you're here to make a case for the uh, defence. 
I'm not going to get into a point-counterpoint. Look, it may very well be that Hammond and SG-1 have done their very best under difficult circumstances, but there's a political aspect to the vice president's position that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Sir? A lot of people know about Stargate. Mm, about Stargate, not the Stargate. Has he seen the film yeah. that Emmett made? This seems a perfect time to actually show somebody the film. Yep. This is what we're all about. And you think cleaning house of the SGC now shows you're in control? You disagree? I think there's time for that still, sir. But for the immediate future, I'm here to let you know what you're up against. And why we need Hammond and SG-1 right now more than ever. Have a seat and fire away. If everything you've heard up to now isn't enough... Never tell a military man far away. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I don't find those seats comfortable. I'd rather sit on the couch. Yeah. The system lords have proven themselves to be formidable adversaries. And yet, despite our obvious disadvantage, we've managed to hold our own. Maybe even take them down a notch or two. A notch or two, yeah, and give Apophis unlimited power. Or Nubis, sorry. That's better. <laughs> you see, even the president correctly. I take it you're referring to the one who calls himself Anubis? He's more powerful than any of his predecessors. He came to our attention a little over a year ago when he tried to take out Earth with an asteroid and then used our own Stargate... I haven't read that report or that one. We thwarted him both times. Thwarted. Ah, that's a good word, that is. <laughs> ...waging a year-long war against the Gould. Uh, the hell. Yes. Your time is up. Full circle. Any excuse to show the very expensive special effects again? That's an incredible sequence, that explosion. <laughs> well, that's good for us. Let them fight amongst themselves. Doesn't work that way, Mr. President. When he's through with them, and it's only a matter of time, he'll come gunning for us. And when he does, we'll be facing a whole new threat. Yeah, unfortunately, when he defeats the System Lord, any Jaffa left tend to uh, go with him. Ah, an M6. Yeah. Let's stand up from cover in order to fire. <laughs> what wasn't mentioned in the commentary for this particular episode, the suit they used wasn't ready in time. That's why the bullet hit on the super soldier was done by CGI and not squibs. Fire the hole! <laughs> That's a slightly daunting view. We're as a president, and he's only having it described to him. A super soldier. Not just one. He's got a whole army. If that's true, I can't imagine how having Stargate 1 on the front lines is going to make one damn bit of difference when the time comes. Anubis may be incredibly powerful, but he's not invincible. There is a way to take him out. How's that? By finding the lost city. Well, not so far, anyway. You'll have to forgive me, Francis. I'm not up to speed. I've only gone through about a third of those files. Which is understandable. It's taken us quite a while to go through all of them. It was built by a highly advanced race of aliens known as the Ancients. Ah. They died off millions of years ago. But it seems they haven't disappeared completely. Maternal Instinct, Season 3, Episode 20. You did research, didn't you? Well, last time I did all this, you just said, oh, there's a website that has them all this <laughs> Little Stargate. It's up there. It looks like a little Stargate. They've evolved into higher life forms. Well, will they help us? No, sir. Why the hell not? It's beneath them. They won't involve themselves in our affairs. Ah, uh, the UN. <laughs> the UN has a military. The ancients don't. Last year, SG-1 made an amazing discovery on a planet called Abydos. You're going to find the lost city of the ancients. Lost city? Oh, unbuffed Daniel. Hmm. Of course, this is just after he had his year off. Yes, with bad hair. Oh, no, it was before his year off, wasn't it? But, yeah, obviously he got buffed during his year off. No, but I'll help you find it. Hammond and SG-1 are close to finding the lost city. Let them do their job, sir. Let them save this planet one more time. It's so difficult keeping track of what Michael Shanks gets up to. Well, saving hope at the minute, of which much discussion is going on on Twitter. Good show, with Erica Durant. Not watched it. I wish it were that simple. <laughs> okay, this is the time. President Hayes is played by William Devane. Been in 24, The West Wing, Knott's Landing, TV movie called Missiles of October where he played JFK. And I believe he was also in Dark Knight Rises. As a victim? As the president. Uh, 
I haven't seen the movie, so I can't confirm that. I have, but I may have dozed through that bit. <laughs> well, let's just say that I haven't viewed all the angles yet. Oh, at least he's being honest. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you haven't told me? This original idea for a new president was originally thought up by Brad Wright in a few years before this. Obviously, they kept the idea just such an occasion when they needed a bottle show. Uh, Even though the guest talent, I imagine, did cost quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm. They actually say in the commentary, Michael Greenberg says, this is probably the strongest cast, guest cast they had for the entire series. Yeah. I don't think we, I don't think Robert Picardo needs any introduction. Well, we've talked about him before. Yes, well, you did, yeah. I listened. Very busy actor, though, you know, it's mm-hmm. not as if he goes years between roles. I don't think he did anything when he was young, though. I'd say he was post-40 when he got his first acting gig. Let's have a look, shall we? 1975 was his first production. Ooh. 77, he was in Kojak. Kojak? <laughs> Appropriate. <laughs> 79, Taxi. But this, is, of course, is where we get we see Woolsey for the honest man he is. And like you said, he has got integrity. He knows something's wrong and he's taking steps to kind of address it. Yep. I think the vice president may be involved with people capable of, well, anything. I believe they may have even attempted assassination at least once before as a means to get what they wanted. Do you realize the seriousness of what you just said? Yes, sir. Look, no matter what you might think of me, I consider myself to be a man of integrity. I took the job with the NID because I strongly believe in civilian oversight of top-secret military operations. Mr. Wilson. I don't have any proof, sir, but I'm starting to question whether those to whom I have dedicated my allegiance... Honest. ...are as honorable as I had hoped. <laughs> You're a resourceful man, Mr. Woolsey. If you think there's proof out there, find it. Mm. <laughs> you think? Not impossible. That stock footage was from the original batch, produced on 16mm film. Michael Greenberg says when he scales it up to HD, how good it looks, because it was shot very well. I'm surprised you let him into the building. Yes, I know I'm not as bold as you are. <laughs> I imagine the general takes pride in his gleaming dome. You with the crown of marble. <laughs> I know you have no reason to trust me, General. That's why I felt I had to come here in person. Sit down. <laughs> it was rather a big thing. Yeah. I take great pride in my work, General. My job demands meticulous research and above all else, impartiality in its execution. My aim is to present an airtight argument, a point of view for consideration by those I serve with no personal agenda whatsoever. Get to the point. I stand by my case against you and your personnel, despite what I'm about to say to you. I hope you don't expect that to gain my respect. You recall the assassination attempt on then-Senator Kinsey? Smoke and Mirrors, Season 6, Episode 14. Everybody cheers. The Senator's down. Put the boot in. Yes, he gained quite well by being shot, didn't he? Mm -hmm. And later gained notoriety from bringing those responsible to justice. I can only assume you're going somewhere with this. Let's just say I've recently come to believe that those behind the rogue element of the NID have not entirely been eliminated. In fact, they may be stronger than ever, and Vice President Kinsey may still be tied to them. They tried to have him killed, and then he tried to take them down. The NID are nothing if not flexible. They tried to kill him and then realised he were better off alive. Mm-hmm. But after the assassination attempt failed, the opportunity presented itself to propel Kinsey onto the presidential ticket. Bring that sort of funding to the presidential campaign. You really do want some oversight in the funding process. And mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry to say that I am. And I want to do something about it if I can. Like what? Like present evidence, if there is any, connecting Kinsey to illegal activity involving those behind the rogue NID. What makes you think evidence like that exists? Because you're sitting right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Non-committal there from the general. Carry on, keep going. I'm not going to give you anything. I'm guessing you were blackmailed. Well... He did try to tell you, Robert. Yep. Uh, Richard, I should say. Robert Cardo, Richard Woolsey. Nothing about that ever made any sense to me. I want to know why. <laughs> How. You've got something on Kinsey. Something I can use. Yes, he has read all the reports. 
it. That's it. We're in. I'm downloading now. Mayborn. Yay. Kinsey's online activities connect him to NID actions over the last year and a half. Including the secret operation I ran out of Area 51, the involvement with the Russians, and the threats to Hammond. Actually, Maybone in the text is in the subtitle was identified as Hacker. Oh, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> he is hacking at this time, but. Then you jump in bed with the NID. What is that? I'm done. Because at the time we mentioned that Tom McBeath had zero knowledge of using computers. It doesn't matter. People that use on screen rarely have any knowledge. Anyone with any amount of knowledge can tell that. He's still yeah. identified as Hacker. Because you see, he's off screen when he speaks, so they don't say Mayborn, they just say Hacker. <laughs> 3.5 floppies. Lovely. Uh, yes. They do look like the data little things that the original series Star Trek used to use. <laughs> is it interesting? Is it? I don't have it here, but the tablet, your iPad, my Kindle Fire, is more or less identical to the sort of tablets that they used to use in Next Generation. I've got the Elcor's app. It does all the noises and everything. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. got hopeful there. Yeah. Now remember, Wolsey, don't take an underground train and don't pass through any X-ray machines. <laughs> yes, they're a bit fragile. Why haven't you given this to someone before now? I didn't know who to trust. I still don't. Again, the president's aide, Holly Elisa. She was actually called Holly by the president, so it looks like a character didn't get a given, you know, an individual name. She has been in Hellcats, Fringe, Supernatural, Eureka and Whistler. So as you can tell, she is a Canadian actress. That's probably why Kinsey's aide didn't get much work, because she was American-based. <laughs> thank you for seeing me, Mr. President. You think? Is there something you wanted to add to your report, Mr. Woolsey? Yes, sir. It's a Swiss cheese. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, because of the rogue element of the NID, virtually everybody we've allied with turned their backs on us, mm -hmm. even the Asgard. For several years, a group of rogue agents operated inside of its ranks. They were acting on behalf of a cabal of international business interests, intent on acquiring alien technology for their own profit. One could only hope. Yeah, seeing the bigger picture. Mr. President? I know they're out there, Mr. Woolsey. What I'm saying is one could only hope that money was their chief motivation. Let's face it, when you've got these sort of resources and potential access to that sort of technology, you don't you stop thinking about being number two or three on the corporate ladder. You think owning a country, running a continent, dominating a world. Running a planet. Yes. <laughs> and now that there are other worlds to dominate. Yes. They're almost ghouled in their thinking. Empire builders. The birth of the the first galactic empire. You're here to tell me that the vice president is still in league with them? If these people are as powerful as we both think, it does make one wonder what the vice president could have possibly offered them in exchange for the price on his head. Obviously, the full control of the Stargate program that the White House affords. The vice president brought key financing to your campaign victory. I just hope it didn't come at too high a cost. Our soldiers wearing white. We could wear <laughs> fancy red robes. No, sorry. My coat in that instance would have to be brown. Yay, i got to make a reference. Relevant. Do you see a computer in there? I'm assuming nowadays there is a computer in the Oval Office. I wouldn't have thought so. The chances of it being networked would be pretty slim. <laughs> Imagine it had a webcam on it. <laughs> Imagine it had a webcam on it. <laughs> and suddenly we're out of episode. That seems... Rather a low-key ending, but very ominous ending. Because, like you say, this episode, while it was a bottle show, even with the guest star, mm. it was gearing up, pointing everything toward Atlantis. Bozier, upgrades, Meridian, enemies, sight unseen. This is where you got all the list from. No, that is not where I got the list from. But it does actually <laughs> list. That's impressive credits. That's the sort of thing I'd imagine the uh, acting union would actually ask for. If you're going to first residuals, if you use their screen time, and actual credits if you do... Obviously not in front of the show, but behind. Right, that was Inauguration. A contained episode, but that was a very good episode, considering it was a clip show. It was a good episode without the clips, mainly because of the on-screen talent. Solid actors. 
That's weird. I got a notification saying someone asked to join the uh, gatecast, but... Change the mind. <laughs> okay. It wasn't showing up. Our Facebook and Twitter accounts are keeping the podcast alive at the moment. <laughs> this is Robert Picardo, the holographic doctor from Star Trek Voyager, and Richard Woolsey from Stargate Atlantis. This is Vanessa Angel. This is Maris Rude. This is Christopher Heyerdahl. This is Clifton Collins Jr. This is Melly from Dollhouse. This is Alistair, and you're, you're just listening to the sweet and tasty sounds of the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Live long and prosper. Did I fall asleep? For a little while. I got a bad feeling about this. There is no spoon. Hello, I'm Scott. Hello, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin, and we are the hosts of the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We're just ordinary sci-fi fanboys. In each show, we bring you the latest news from the sci-fi movie and television universe, along with our commentary on it. We review the shows and movies that we're watching. We bring you interviews with Stargate, Dollhouse, Star Trek cast members, and many more notables. And test your geek cred with the trivia that all sci-fi addicts should know. We also occasionally give things away. If you are a lover of all things sci-fi, then come dine with us as we host the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. You can find us on iTunes. Or on our website at sci-fi-diner.com. Anyhow, the Season 7 wrap-up show has been recorded, but we are looking for another couple of specials to release over the holiday season. If anyone has a movie, or preferably episode, that isn't Stargate, but strongly features one or more of the cast, let us know. It could very well be of interest. Speaking of Stargate alumni, a new creature feature, Cooper Cobra vs. The Alamo, is in production and has a number of very familiar names in its credits. Listed on the film's IMDb entry are David Nichol, who played Zelenka in Atlantis, Julia Benson, who played Vanessa James in Stargate Universe, Nicole Munoz, guest starred in the Atlantis episode Epiphany, Zach Santiago, appeared in both SG-1 and SGU, Alex Povanich has done both SG-1 and SGA, Finally, Jorge Vargas, guest starred in SG-1 Emancipation. I don't know about you, but I'll be watching that movie just for the buzz of seeing so many actors who play their part in making Stargate what it is. If you want to get in touch with us, then there is a contact form on the website, which is at gatecast.co.uk. Our email address is gatecastpodcast at gmail.com, and that's also ideal for sending us voicemails. We like voicemails. We are on Twitter, at the gatecast, which is one word, Facebook and Google Plus do a search for Gatecast. And finally, we are back on iTunes and listed in their store as Gatecast. We would love to hear from you. Okay then, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Stargate forever.